Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy it. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing Aaron Sorkis' newest film, The Trial of the Chicago 7. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what is your favorite Aaron Sorkin movie line? I'm Lucas Ryder, designer in Chicago. And my favorite famous Aaron Sorkin quote is from the date at the beginning of The Social Network. Look, you are probably going to be a very successful computer person. But you're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that won't be true. It'll be because you're an asshole. I love that line, and I think it's probably the most uh, prescient line of, of that he's ever written. <laughs> it's so genius. It encompasses so many emotions I've had in my life. <laughs> it kicked off the 2010s, I think, in... Uh, in a perfect way. Yeah. And for a man who is often criticized for not writing women well, or... Yeah. Um, this is like one of those moments where he really understands... Um, I think he really understands women in that one moment. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, well, I am Sandra Amstutz. I am a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And unsurprisingly, my favorite line is also from The Social Network, although there were quite a few contenders from other movies. Yeah, um, we had backups. <laughs> uh, absolutely. But I just couldn't resist this line that, you know, rings in my head from one of my favorite actors. You better lawyer up, asshole, because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. I mean... That's... That was up there. <laughs> with, with a performance like that also. I mean, sometimes it's not just the line. Sometimes it's it's the way you say it. And I th- I th- as, as we were talking about this, I think Aaron Sorkin does such a good job of not having like one line, but having like the dialogue in the midst of the conversation. Right. It's so perfectly. And that is one of those where it's just like everything around it escalating to this one point. The line on its own isn't like the biggest craziest line in the world but it's just per- absolutely perfect for that that se- that setting right and i think what really sticks with me about that line is just is is the ending i'm not coming back for 30 percent. i'm coming back for everything yeah. and just like the threat the promise the gold um we're gonna talk so much about aaron sorkin in this episode <laughs> <laughs> so before we do that i really want to know lucas what are you feeling this week this week i am feeling ted lasso now i started watching ted lasso last night so this is <laughs> <laughs> i'm very new to this i had a different uh option in here and i am absolutely in love with this show now i normally do not recommend shows that i haven't finished or at least finished a season of them um 
I am so close <laughs> and was not able to get there, but I definitely want to recommend the show anyway. This is a show that's on Apple TV Plus, and I think the trailers for it are terrible. It is the story of an American. This is this is based off of a what was this? Um, like an NBC ad or something that Jason Sudeikis played um, a football coach in. Um, football, you mean? Of soccer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. sorry. Fo- football meaning American football. Um, okay. Teaching, uh, going and becoming a coach for a uh, soccer team. Okay. Um, this was turned into a full show, which already sounds terrible. Um, but basically, Jason Sudeikis' character Ted Lasso gets hired to go to England and become a uh, British football coach who is and he's never been associated with that sport before, um, and. Everything about the trailer to me made it feel like it's going to be like, oh, look at this wacky American, you know, making fun of the Brits. The Brits are making fun of him. And it's just going to be a hilarious misunderstanding all the way around. And this is just such a sweet show. It is. Um, if if you've seen Paddington, this is has it gives you a lot of the feelings of Paddington of really a really nice person just trying to make everyone better. Um, I think a lot of the relationships in this film are really interesting. This film, this TV show are really interesting. Um, and really, um, I think they do a really good job of connecting characters that you wouldn't normally uh, figure would, would connect, um, and trying to, trying to grow them in different directions. All of the characters are extremely deep. And I think, uh, it's, it's a show that I can see going on for a very long time. Um, I, cause it, it, rushes past that uh, that initial premise like in the, within the first episode and they're already kind of talking about true character development um and kind of what comes next for this and i am in love with this show it's so good have you seen any of this this is on apple tv plus by the way so i feel like it's something that it's it's one of those platforms that i don't feel like a ton of people have yeah no i subscribed to apple tv plus to watch boy state and then i watched all of um the morning show and then yeah. I canceled my Apple TV Plus subscription <laughs> just because I was like, that's all I really wanted to watch. And yeah. once they get another thing that I really want to watch, I'll probably subscribe for the $5 again. Nice. That $5 price makes it very easy to be like, okay, well, I'll cancel it and just sign back up. Right. You know? Yeah. Just take a month and be like, all right, this is the month that I'm watching Apple TV Plus. <laughs> exactly. Um, Ted Lasso is not a show that I've watched, that being said. It is a show that I've heard a lot of people make fun of. Um, yep. <laughs> and so I, I, I haven't considered watching it for that reason, but yeah. like, like you, I have also heard a lot of people su- with surprisingly enjoying it. Yeah. I feel like it's just such a sweet show that, and it's so surprising cause it isn't what I expected it to be. I thought it would be extremely cheesy and dumb. Um, and I think all of that together just really made me very happy um i think a lot of the the smaller side characters are are incredible um uh, juno temple is in it and she is just phenomenal i haven't seen her in in anything in a very long time and it's really good oh yeah it's really good to see her um kind of starring in a in a tv show so it's it's really great um well i mean worth worth checking out for sure and who doesn't like jason sudeikis like love to watch the guy absolutely what are you feeling this week I am feeling um, my version of a spooky Halloween movie. So, <laughs> um, has been stated on this podcast many times, you, you and I, Lucas, don't really watch horror movies. And while I don't like scary movies, I do love 
movies with like a spooky vibe. <laughs> Name uh, one other movie that's not scary but has a spooky vibe. Well, I mean, Practical Magic is my go-to Halloween movie. Fair enough. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I like movies that like, and you know, there's a lot of movies, like I would say a lot of Tim Burton movies can feel, have a spookiness. Yeah, that's, that's that, true. But they're not really horror films, you know. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of others, but I, I do love the, the, the mood of Halloween, just not the terror. Mm -hmm. Um, so my version of a Halloween film, in addition to Practical Magic, is the Jim Jarmusch film, Only Lovers Left Alive. Have you seen this movie? I still have not, no. Interesting. Okay. I think you should watch it. Um. Only love it's a it's a tough sell, I will say, but it's one that I love to try to sell to people. <laughs> <laughs> Only Lovers Left Alive is an existential Jim Jarmusch vampire movie. Um it stars Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston as centuries old vamp moody vampires. And I use the word moody a lot to describe this film because it's low on plot and high <laughs> on mood. Watching this, I, I watched this with a group of friends recently, and I've always loved this film. I've always touted it to people, but I forgot just how slow of a film it is. Not a lot happens. It'll, it's a lot of Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston being these hot, sexy, well-dressed, sad vampires. And it's particularly the Tom Hiddleston character is very depressed about the state of the world. So it's not uplifting. But if you want <laughs> to see Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton be cool, which I always do, mm -hmm. this is a great film for you. Yeah. Um, it's also great if you really appreciate set design and costumes, particularly set design, though. The sets in these films are so fun to look at because they're both collectors. Um, because these vampires have lived for centuries, they've collected uh, just things throughout their entire lifetime. And their homes are just piles of all their collections lying around and, like, clothes and beds from different centuries. And um, it's really fun to look at. Um, so I really appreciate it for that. But I also, as someone who's living in, I would say, sort of a dark moment in human history, um, it's sometimes nice to wallow in that depression, you know, in, in a beautiful way. <laughs> and this film really lets you do that. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I, again, I just can't stress enough you're not going to get a lot of plot. It's not yeah. the kind of movie where you're like, wow, okay, so when this happens, that. No, you're just here to to, to soak it up. Um, but it's a movie that I love to soak up, and I really recommend others do so. Do you ever do you ever have those movies that are like, it's getting down to the end of the year, and you're trying to pack in all of the movies that you think could be some of your favorite movies of the year? Um, and you like just new you, releases, new releases, right? Yeah. You're, you're just like trying to get in all of the ones before the year ends. Um, right. and then once the year is over, sometimes, at least for me, it's hard to kind of go back and continue to get some of those that you missed. Sure. Um, 
this is one of those movies that I think fell through the cracks for me in 2013. Yeah. It was one of of those where it was like, I know I want to see this. Um, It's it's, probably going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. And I never got around to it. And as soon as 2014 came around, I was like, all right, what's what's new? I'm coming out. (laughs) Let's watch some 2014 movies. And this has always been on my backlog of of movies that I have to see. I love vampires, which is a weird, I I think, doesn't really fit my my brand. But I'm a big (laughs) vampire fan. Um, I love, and especially this type of vampire, again, not the spooky right. vampire, but more just like the, the lethargic, um, been around forever, a kind of, uh, vampire. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, I truly think I'm going to really love this movie when I eventually get around to seeing it. I'm going to challenge you, Lucas, to do it in the next two weeks. Do two it before, weeks? Yeah. Do it before Halloween. Oh, before Halloween. Yeah. Halloween's two weeks away. Okay. Get it done in spooky season. That's and- true. Also, of all the years to catch up on films you've been meaning to catch up on. I know. This it's is true. the year. This, what this else is are it. you watching? <laughs> Ted Lasso. <laughs> right. Well, what was the other movie? I think it was last, was it, was it last time that, that you mentioned that I hadn't seen that I should have seen? I mean, there's always those movies. Yes, I, but I feel like there's another one that was on that list that was like, I just never got around to it, even though I said I, w- I was going to. Was it God's uh, Own Country? It was God's Own Country. That's what it was. Yeah. It was God's Own Country. Yeah, it was God's yeah. Own Country. Yep. Same same situation. Yeah. So. It's really, this is just us doing movie talk, but it's very disappointing that Ammonite is not getting great reviews. Yeah. I... I still have a little hope for it because I loved God's Own Country so much, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but that yeah. is disappointing. It is very disappointing. That was one of those movies that I was like, I will probably only see it if it gets good. There's some movies that's like, it right. doesn't matter even if it gets terrible reviews. I'm 100% going to see this movie. Absolutely. This was not one of them, so we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely going to see this movie. It stars okay. Saoirse Ronan. Like, I'm probably going to see every Saoirse Ronan oh, movie. So, I, th- th- that's the thing. I am a Saoirse Ronan complete, completionist. So, yeah. I, I will have to see this movie. I am point. having a hard time thinking of a movie that Saoirse Ronan is going to be in that I won't see. You know? Like an old one or like no, a one no, coming like, out? like as she comes, as her career oh, evolves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Unless, once she hits 40, she's going to be in some... People are going to have a rough time casting sure. her. <laughs> unless I, unless she's like a small character in like something that looks not up my alley, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But if she's starring in a film, I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm right there with you. What other? So I guess I'm watching this. <laughs> or actresses? Do you feel that way about right now? <sighs> um, because, like I'm trying to think of others. Like Timothy Chalamet, I would want to say, but like I didn't watch that Netflix mm-hmm. King movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, did you watch, watch Beautiful Hot Boy? Summer Nights. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there are because I. For me, it, it can't be someone who's super prolific, who's just like churning out movies. Because right. in that, I'm just like, I mean, I don't. I don't know. Like some right. of those aren't going to be good. So I feel like Saoirse Ronan is the only one who's doing like a like a consistent maybe maybe one a year, maybe yeah. one every other year kind of routine, and they're all great. I feel like. Elizabeth DeBecky is someone who I feel like I yeah I I would do that in the future I've because I'm not I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch everything she's ever been in but right. I really love a good Elizabeth DeBecky movie she's also just never really the star of a lot of movies so right. she's a supporting character so that's difficult I feel like Saoirse Ronan might be it yeah for me my other one is Andrew Garfield like mm. even if Andrew Garfield's in something bad I'm probably going to watch um, that makes sense yeah anyway just uh, just out of curiosity. Um, yeah, no, that's fun. 
that's our movie talk since we're not doing it in our out section today because <laughs> right. there are no trailers. New, new segment, just movie talk. Yeah. <laughs> remember mo- talk remember movies? Remember when they were fun? <laughs> and feelings about movies and actors. Oh, man. Great. Well, let's move on to someone we've had plenty of movie talk about in the past. And that is Mr. Aaron Sorkin himself. So your brother's bound and gagged And they've chained him to a chair Won't you please come to Chicago Just to sing We're both big Aaron Sorkin fans. In fact, in preparation for this new movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7, to be coming out, I rewatched almost all of his movies. I didn't get to Malice or Charlie Wilson's War. Um... But I rewatched you know, everything. The else. early ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I've started rewatching The West Wing. And I recently also did a Studio 60 marathon. So I've been just really um, enrobing myself in all of Aaron Sorkin's work. Um, Lucas, well, let's talk about I want to know just your personal relationship with Aaron Sorkin. A uh, big fan. Yeah, big fan. I <laughs> it to prep for this, I only watched a few good men. I was like, I'm just going to watch the Perfect. the courtroom drama and uh see, you know, see how that compares. Um I have seen I don't think I've seen I have I've not seen Malice. I yeah. have seen every other um Aaron Sorkin movie. I, I from the TV show perspective, I have only seen the three or the four seasons of The West Wing that he was involved in. You I have not seen the I have I, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Oh. And I've seen the newsroom. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Those are the two. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've, I've never actually finished the West Wing. Um, no, me but, either. I've only yeah. ever seen those first four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the newsroom for me. So I haven't seen studio 60. I haven't seen sports night. Um, I really enjoy Aaron Sorkin in the same way that I really enjoy like dessert. To me, it's just so rich and fun and yet i can't have a ton of it i feel like the that which i think i, I think is why i love the west wing so much because it feels like it feels like it's like it's spread out over so much more time so it's easier to to kind of enjoy um if you binge it all i don't i, I don't know i don't know what to say there. <laughs> I, I don't know how i would feel about that i probably couldn't do it um but what i what i also really love about him is he does such a great job of partnering with people um, on each one of his movies, um, we'll talk about Molly's Game and um, the Chicago, Trial of the Chicago 7 in a second. But with each one of his movies and TV shows, he partners with really great directors um, and producers. And I think every time he does that, it really elevates the work that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, for me, Molly's Game was... <laughs> It's like 100% sugar, where like you jump into this movie and you're like, oh yeah, this is completely unfiltered Aaron Sorkin, and there's a ton of this that I love, and it is not all hitting home for me just because it's too much. Um, and I think overall that is what I love best about Aaron Sorkin are is when he's paired with people who can not not help him, or because I, I I don't I don't think it's like necessary that he needs help, but I just think creative partnership is the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and, and, and that, that's not just saying a director. I'm just saying in general, creative partnership, I think really elevates a lot of the the work that a lot of people do. And I think that's really shown, uh, it's, it's really, uh, obvious with Aaron Sorkin. I think I remember there's behind the scenes footage of the, of Aaron Sorkin, David Fincher, and the main cast of the social network kind of like 
working, doing a reading of the script mm-hmm. and doing rehearsals. And David Fincher is editing the script in real time, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Um, and Sorkin is like throwing out suggestions and like they're playing with the script and Sorkin will suggest a line or he'll, they'll read a line and Dave, the note that David Fincher just kept giving was too cute, I think. Yes, yes. And <laughs> the fact that Sorkin needs someone with the acidity of David Fincher to cut down his work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is why I think that co- partnership is so perfect. Um, I think also, I, I was talking to you before this about how I think Steve Jobs is a really underrated film and one of his best works but that is not always regarded as so and what danny boyle does with that movie as a director and how he takes the bombastic nature of aaron sorkin and really like um saturates it and condenses it into that the timeline Mm -hmm. and with that speed is really special um i would love to see another danny boyle aaron sorkin combo yeah um yeah, I want to use your food metaphor and how you said Aaron Sorkin is like dessert, but you can you can only have a little bit of mm-hmm. it. You can't have a lot. For me, Aaron Sorkin is like Diet Coke in that <laughs> I need to drink it every single day. Like I, I have to have it. <laughs> it. It gives me a high that I imagine people like who take drugs feel like when i have a first sip of a diet coke in the morning what other people i'm assuming feel with in the coffee, morning oh i gosh. feel with diet coke um and also in that um a lot of people say it's not good for you and i never really understand fully why but like <laughs> i like i believe you but i don't at the same time and I can't stop myself from just like having it constantly. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Sounds like you have an unhealthy relationship with Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> probably. I, I, I'm probably exaggerating. In yeah. <laughs> the, the, my, my main thing is that like I know what I want to address when I address my love of Aaron Sorkin's work, not Aaron Sorkin the person. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, there's yeah. a clear <laughs> distinction yes. that I don't have with other celebrities, but I do have with Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin in an interview drives me crazy. I don't yes. like yes. him. <laughs> no. But Aaron Sorkin's work, I adore. <laughs> um, so what I love about Aaron Sorkin's work, or I, I love Aaron Sorkin's work is what I'm saying, but I also, like, I acknowledge and validate almost every criticism of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people that really don't like his work, and... Whenever I read those critiques, I'm always like, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, but I, it doesn't change how I feel about all these, these shows and movies that I love. Yeah. I think, I think that's going to really come into play when we talk about the trial of Chicago seven, because I have so many criticisms of Mm -hmm. it that I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about my criticisms of it, that none of those criticisms diminish how much I love this movie. Yeah. You know, (laughs) for me, I think when I watch an Aaron Sorkin movie, I usually get pretty wrapped up. I usually, like, don't have many criticisms right at the front because I've enjoyed it so much. Um, when I watch a TV show of his, especially when I'm re-watching an Aaron Sorkin TV show, mm-hmm. is when I start to be like, oh, that's bad. Okay, that's a really flawed way of thinking. That's politically incorrect. That's, yeah. you know. Um, I usually have to get over my initial, like, 
giddiness and joy of his style before I can start to like critic critique the what is typically I think flawed are the politics of his work. Um, yeah, and I just want to say I think one of the things, one of the reasons I love Aaron Sorkin, I'm I'm just saying over and over how much I love him, but not <laughs> why, is his sense of humor, his clever like jokiness that is not really joke writing, but it's about being clever. Really, really works for me. It's like my favorite type of humor and that can be insufferable and i understand that but i love it so much when i watch his stuff i laugh out loud constantly and that is just a very specific thing of like his sense of humor is my sense of humor and i will always love his work as long as he keeps that in it Mm -hmm. um and this movie had a lot of that and so um, I'm sure he'll come up, his past works will come up more and more as we're talking, but I think we probably should get into talking about the trial of the Chicago seven. So this is a film based on, based on true events loosely as much of Aaron Sorkin's based on true events works usually are, um, about a group of pro Vietnam war protesters that were tried for conspiracy to start a riot across state lines um, it was a famous trial um, that got a lot of press attention at the time. And this is also Aaron Sorkin's second film that he's directed, which I think is pretty significant and something I want us to talk a lot about. The fact that he's a, typically a writer and this time a director. Um, so, Lucas, in general, how did you feel about the tri- trial of the Chicago 7? Overall, I really enjoyed it. I... I think it's interesting because this this is a movie that's been in I, I think he wrote the script in like two thousand six, two thousand seven, like something like that. Like his script has been around a long time. Um originally this was gonna be directed by Steven Spielberg. Um and um it just you know kept getting pushed back and changed and stuff like that. And so I think now is actually a great time for it. I think it it fits into our timeline really well. Um I think it it makes it feel more relevant not that it wouldn't have been relevant in 2006 but i just think like now is um it all lines up kind of perfectly um and i think one of the things that i really enjoyed about getting to watch this movie at home on netflix um is just being able to talk about it immediately Mm -hmm. and just like you know have discussion about it everybody it's it's available everybody can see it um and i think i think that that to me is really cool i think in general Aaron Sorkin with this movie with Molly's game. I, I felt like it was a hundred percent Aaron Sorkin immediately come in. Boom. Everything is turned up to 11. And I think in this, he really got to turn it down a little bit. And, um, there's more nuance than I, than I think there could have been. Um, if, if this had been his, you know, his first movie directing, um, one thing that I, that I will say, I love a lot of the actors in this. I don't think Aaron Sorkin is good at casting. Um, I'm very curious to see how this continues uh, if, if he continues to direct more movies and kind of what that looks like. I think he, I think there are actors that he really wants to work with and he puts them in his movies 
and I don't necessarily think they're the best for his movies. I don't, again, it doesn't matter to my enjoyment too much. I'm not like, I'm not like upset about any of the casting. I just think it feels like it's just like you wanted to work with this person and you put him in your movie and that's fine. Um, I'm very interested to hear you talk about specifics. Yeah, we could, yeah, well, I definitely want to want to talk about that. Um, but I think, I think it happened in Molly's game and I think it happened here. And I think the rest of his movies are a lot of times brilliantly cast, um, which I think, ends up coming back to, to, to the directors. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I really loved this movie and part there, there's a tweet that you recently did Lucas, um, where you said, do you know how long it's been since I've seen a great movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I want to know if you were referring to this film. It is. This is exactly what I was referring to. It was right after I watched this movie, and I was like, it has been so long. Yeah. So I can't tell if that enjoyment is Meaning this is is a great film. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I have not seen a great film. In in a long time. So long. (laughs) I know. I feel the same. And um, so I, I am taking that into consideration when I talk about how much I love this movie. Um. That like maybe I'm just deprived. And right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is my first drink of water in a desert. It's mm-hmm. been, but I. Ha- here's the thing. Here's the the diff. The one thing that I'm, you know, debating with myself, and this is my argument, is that while I haven't seen a lot of new movies that have been great in a long time, I have recently just watched all of Aaron Sorkin's movies, <laughs> and a lot of True. those are really great films. Mm-hmm. Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, A Few Good Men, Molly's Game, five films I really love. Molly's Game probably being the weakest of those, but I still really love it. Um, so I have seen his works, and I and I can compare it to those. And while comparing it to those, I still was pretty blown away by how much I loved this movie. Um, I think there's... A lot that is just already going to make me love it, like the humor that is throughout the film, uh, particularly with the Abby Hoffman character, uh, and the performance. There are certain performances that I particularly love in this movie. There are a few that I was a little, I felt, I found a little lackluster. Um, but I think this is Aaron Sorkin really finally learning how to be a director, like you mentioned. Um, there, there are little. He, he's a man who loves his tricks that he kind of just like re, the deploys constantly throughout all his works. Um, yes. Kevin Porter <laughs> is someone who makes these really great YouTube videos of Sorkin dialogue that like reappears throughout all of his work. Um, I, I recommend looking them up. He made yep. he made a new one specifically for Trial of Chicago 7 and pieces of, tr- of dialogue in Trial of Chicago 7 that has appeared in previous works of his. Um, and so, like, we know that he does that linguistically, but now that he's been a director, there are a few directing tricks that I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing. You did this in Molly's Game, and now you're doing <laughs> it here, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think those they work so much better in this film. And he has finally found like the way he wants to direct. I think really this film, it really worked for, I think he, the courtroom setting was perfect for him in the way that Molly's game, which was full of like 
glamour and nightlife is not Aaron Sorkin. Like, I don't think he yeah. really understood that world visually, right. you know? Like, he, he, I think he understood it psychologically, but not visually. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm reminded of this interview that he did with Vulture where he talked about going to some nightclub for the first time, some, like, really cool nightclub to like as research for molly's game and him feeling yeah. so out of place and he, he wore like jeans or something it's just one of those things where that's a world he doesn't belong in and this courtroom drama is a world he absolutely belongs in and yeah. you feel like he was at home in making this movie um in giving a history lesson aaron's or aaron sorkin is your coolest history teacher you know And this is his, you know, classroom. And I'm a sucker for that. So I loved this movie. And I'm I'm very curious how I'll feel, you know, a year or two from now once the high has worn off. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had a great time with it. I think... I want to I want to dig into a lot of the story stuff before we get into spoilers of yeah. just kind of the generic generic <laughs> um kind of high level stuff um and I think Aaron Sorkin is a great storyteller and he puts together a really tight um concise um sharp story like every time and I think a lot of I think what's interesting about that is mostly now he's focused on real life stories. Like all of his movies for a while have been real stories. Um, and I think he's very uninterested in putting all of the facts in. Mm-hmm. He's more concerned with, does this, does all of this come to a point? Does this make sense? Does it, can I, can I put this into a, into a narrative? Um, and so I, I think that's something that a lot of people don't like about his work. Um, when viewing it from a, this is a real story perspective of that's not how that went. Mm-hmm. And so inherently it is bad. And I know he got a lot of feedback on that from <laughs> social network and Steve jobs specifically because the, those are two very, you know, public facing people, um, who not all of the facts were exactly, you know, the same way that things happened. And I think that is something that I'm not interested in from him. Is yeah. I don't I don't want a Wikipedia page of step by step what happened. Um, I'm fine with you embellishing to tell a specific story about this person. Mm-hmm. I think that is oh go for it. No, I was just gonna, I agree. I think when if I wanted to watch a documentary or read a Wikipedia page, I would have just yes. done that. Yes, that's not what I want. What I want is a fantastically told emotional story and. Yep. Aaron Sorkin is never will never let facts get in the way of that. Yes, and I applaud him for that. Um, uh-huh. I feel like that's what I'm here for, and I'm much more interested in him getting to the truth of a person um, rather than the truth of the events. Mm-hmm. And in the past, when he's covered singular men like Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs, I feel like that's really what he's trying to get at. Is he mm-hmm. trying to get at the truth of who this person was or the the relation in social network? Maybe not who that person was, but what was the power dynamic and the relationship in that moment? Yes. And how did that fall apart? You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, and I feel like all of that is easier to do when you are centering on a person. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to centering on an event. Right. And I think that is where it gets a little difficult here because we are centering on this trial as mm-hmm. opposed to the defendant or the defendants or anything like that. So I feel like to me, that's where it gets a little wishy-washy <laughs> is yeah. how much are we supposed to be depicting actual events because this is the story of the trial or how much are we supposed to be digging into um, really the characters that are, that are here. And I don't think this movie did that super well um, of, of, of truly giving us um, uh, making all these characters human. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, I'm kind of fine with that at this point um, with this movie, just because of the story that it told and the emotions that it gave. I, I felt like it did a great job of kind of, um, of, of giving me what I, what I needed and what I wanted. But I do think there's going to, there, I do think there's our people who are going to want one or the other, give me the facts or give me these characters. And I don't think this book or this book, I don't think this movie necessarily gave us either of those. Well, hmm. yeah. In all these instances, it's when it's about events like this and not like I didn't do this for Steve Jobs, but what I did do for this film is immediately I went and found some explainer article about like fact versus fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Where they kind yeah. of break down like, okay, that didn't actually happen, but this this actually did happen, you know? Yeah. And um, I think to be like an educated person, it's important to look that information up. And yep. just know that, um, especially when it is, is involved a, a very specific historical event like this. Um, yep. And to me, that's me doing my due diligence. Hundred um, percent. And that's that's what I need from this, and and that's not and not much else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I would like to talk more about the actual plot and the characters and stuff like that, but I want to do that in spoilers. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say. Um, mostly just that there, there, a lot of times Aaron Sorkin gets critiqued for his centrist liberal politics, right? And I think some people feel this movie is like, you know, a monument to that. And I think at times it is, and at times it isn't. I feel as someone who's studied Aaron Sorkin's work, I can see some growth in that realm, you know? Um, mm-hmm. not a lot. I'm not going to give him a lot of credit, but, <laughs> but a little bit of growth. And, um, I will say like, I don't agree with all of Aaron Sorkin's politics, but I do agree with, I think a lot of the important ones, you know, the fact like he, a lot of his central beliefs, I think are good central beliefs. And I am a big believer in like not making enemies politically out of people who are ultimately on your side and yeah so when people are highly critical of his work i don't begrudge them that but i also don't participate in it because i'd much rather spend my time being highly critical of work that is really bad for us you know yeah um and I also this when when something isn't actively like really destructive, I have a very a much easier time at putting aside my personal politics and enjoying it for the story and the craftsmanship. And with Aaron Sorkin, I'm always able to do that. Um, I again, I will never begrudge anyone their criticism of Aaron Sorkin, um, and I will always read it and probably agree with most of it. Um, <laughs> But I also find that politically I'm able to um, 
kind of like take a step back from him and 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 just enjoy his work. And that's how I always yep. feel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do want to also talk about spoilers and performances and plot points. So um, we are starting our spoiler section now. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Um, because the question's in my head, Lucas, I really want to know what you were referring to when it comes to casting. <sighs> so I, I love interesting casting. I love when you take someone who I would not expect to be in that role and put them there and watch them succeed or fail. Either, either way, I'm actually normally pretty fine with it, mm-hmm. um, just because it's interesting. I think what Aaron Sorkin does is he takes people like Idris Elba and like, I just forgot his name. Um, yeah, Eddie yeah. Redmayne. Oh, okay. Ed, Eddie Redmayne, and it's just like I'm going to put you in this role. I don't think Idris Elba that it's a great role for him in Molly's game. Um, I <laughs> I love watching him. I think Idris Elba is a great actor. I don't think that's a great role for him. Um, same thing with Eddie Redmayne in this movie and most of the cast. This feels like the kind of cast that you would get if you're just asking someone on the street to put together a cast for this movie based on pictures of the people. Mm. I mean, and, and some of them don't, don't look like the pictures of the people, but just in general of just like fan casting is what this feels like to me. Um, again, I like a lot of the performances in here. Um, I had a lot of fun watching Sasha Baron Conan and um, Jeremy strong in this movie. I don't know why they were chosen. I know Sasha Baron Conan has been attached to the script since it was originally written. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think, in general, these are probably not the best people to play these characters. Um, but I really enjoyed watching them. So it's a, it's a, to me, it's a real mixed emotion, I think. Um, I think I don't love Eddie Redmayne in most things, in general, I think. Um, and I think for, for the, who this character is supposed to be, I don't know if Eddie Redmayne is the right person for that. Um, which we can talk about what that character's what I my thoughts on that character in a bit. But well, what what do you think that character is supposed to be that Eddie Redmayne is? It he's supposed to be Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> mm. That like that is who Aaron, I think Aaron Sorkin connects with the most out of this group, sure. and um, kind of puts himself in that in that position. And I don't think Eddie Redmayne is good at being a um, an all American boy you know like he just i feel in in my head eddie redmayne is too is is a boring person in general like as a, as an actor i feel like he 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 does a good job of playing kind of boring middle of the road people um but i don't think i never see him as like someone who fits a a good decent character um and that just be, might be my perception of eddie redmayne but to me, he just never fit well in this character. I'm trying. I'm looking at Eddie Redmayne's IMDb, and I'm realizing that I think the only thing I've ever seen him in is Les Mis. What? Yeah. <laughs> Other than this film. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. All right. Um, and so I don't really have like a history with his particular acting style. Yeah. Um. So for the most part, him being a blank slate for you. How did you feel about him in this role? I think he was my favorite performance in the role, in the movie. Wow. Wow. Maybe, maybe not my favorite, but he was yeah. up there. I loved his yeah. performance. Yeah. Yeah. 
His performance I, really worked for me. I so I, I will not fault his performance. I think he performed it well. It to me it it is a casting issue of just like this is not the guy. <laughs> I, I, I think like that's fair. Um yeah. but I really loved his performance. I really yeah. was pretty captured by him. Um the I, I I don't know if I can speak to casting as much as I can just speak to how I felt about these performances, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say I think Eddie Redmayne and Sasha Baron Cohen were just standouts for me. Um, I, lo- I loved every moment they were on screen. I loved watching them spar with each other and play opposites on the same side, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen especially may- might be my favorite performance of the film. Um, it's just so charismatic as he always is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Mark Rylance is always amazing. Like, yeah. So I'm, good. He's consistently. so good. Like, <laughs> it, it, I, I forget about him. He's so good. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's so yeah. good that he doesn't stand out. Um, mm-hmm. I think Yaya Abdul-Mateen is fantastic in this. Um, it's like, we know he's a star. Like this is a star year for him. And this is just another role where he just gets to, like, show how amazing of an actor he is. Yeah. Um, I think I have a particular... I'm just running down, like, the list of actors right now, <laughs> basically. I'm particularly fond of this actor, Alex Sharp, who played yeah. Rennie Davis. <laughs> yeah. He was in The Hustle um, with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson, mm-hmm. a movie that I found very charming. Um, and I think he's very charming in it. And when I saw him in this movie, I was like, where have I seen him before? And I was like, oh, it's the guy from The Hustle. And I think he's very <laughs> good in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, most of this cast I thought was really great. There is one performance that I wasn't a fan of, and it pains me to say it, but I didn't love Jeremy Strong in this movie. Um. I love Jeremy Strong in Succession. I love Jeremy Strong in a lot of other movies I've seen. <laughs> He's great in Molly's yeah. Game. He's great in um, a personal favorite of mine. Um, what is it called? Oh, dang it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm blanking on the movie. Serenity. Serenity. <laughs> um, but... This movie feels like a SNL character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are moments, I think, where he's very good in this. Mm -hmm. There are moments where he's good. But I don't love the voice. I don't love the (laughs) caricature hippie voice. Yeah. I just didn't In general, I think his character does feel a little bit like a character in general. So I don't – I wouldn't necessarily put that all on – um, on Jeremy Strong, the voice I'm putting on Jeremy. Strong. The voice, the voice is on Jeremy Strong. <laughs> I think yeah. I don't think the, the. I think you're right that the character is a caricature, but it wouldn't have bothered me as much without the voice. Yeah. So yeah, that didn't work for me. Um, <laughs> I think having Joseph Gordon-Levitt was very was very interesting casting in this. Um, yeah, I think that's a character that people. I have a lot of mixed feelings about. I think a lot of people are going to hold up that character and the quote-unquote redeeming moment he gets at the very end as Aaron Sorkin's centrism run amok, right? Yes. And I think that that is a very valid critique. 
And maybe I'm giving Aaron Sorkin way too much credit and, and leeway and I'm making excuses in this moment, right? But when I watch this movie and when I see that character, my interpretation of it is not there are also good men on the other side. My interpretation of that character is there are people that are on the wrong side of history and they know it while they're doing it. Like the, deep down, they know it and they do it anyway. Yep. And I think that, and I don't know if he meant to do, if that was what he was meant to portray or not, but that is a much more interesting and powerful character study than there are also good men. There are also, you know, like that right. on that side yeah. of history. Like, yeah. And I, what do you, yeah, oh, how do you feel it. about that? I 100% agree. I think one of the messiest things about this movie, I think, is that there, there are many different ways to see a lot of the different things that happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and some some of that I'm, I'm okay with, but some of it I'm also like, I wish you'd been a little sharper here right. and been a little clearer on, on, on this point. Um, and I think in general, this is going to get very broad before I come back to narrowing down on Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. <laughs> but broadly aaron sorkin is a very optimistic person right and i think he really believes in um if we all just sit down and talk about it (laughs) (laughs) it would all be fine we could just talk about it and get over our differences and all get along um and i truly think he has this view of america as we are built on truth justice in the american way you know the whole superman mentality Mm -hmm. and as bobby seal says in this movie superman doesn't save black people (laughs) yeah and i do think that's something that aaron sorkin hasn't wrapped his mind around is that good people do bad things because the system is in place to allow them to Mm -hmm. and i think he is a big believer in the system. And I think one of the things that really, I was shocked that he, that this is in this movie is that I think one of the things that this movie does really well is put you in a position of realizing that the, all of the good guys have zero power yeah. <laughs> in this situation, which I feel like is not a position that I feel like Aaron Sorkin believes most of the time. I think he right. believes that good people have the power to make change. And in this movie, the good people are completely stripped of power yeah. in, in, in ways that you normally don't see. And I think he does a great job of building that up until you get to a point when you realize that this, that everything is out of control and there's nothing that you can do to stop or change what is happening. The court has complete power. And I think what Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character does in this movie is this, the movie starts with him is that you have mm-hmm. an actor who most people really like um, kind of in a role that feels a little enough conflicted to where he is not a villain, but he is pushing and really, you know, on the wrong side of this system that is completely out of control doing wrong things. I feel like it would have been super easy just to make him a villain mm-hmm. and it would have been super easy to hate him. Yeah. But I think having him be this, I wouldn't even say conflicted character, but just a character that we don't hate (laughs) Um, really helps make this movie feel more real. Yeah. And from what I've 
very loosely read, I think the real-life person probably was a little bit more villainous than this character we're getting. Mm -hmm. And I also just think that, like, I'm... I find movies and stories just in general with more... I, I, I prefer an interesting villain. I prefer a conflicted villain, you know? I yeah. I think that, like, villains that are just over-the-top evil are very boring. And I think that, like, giving someone humanity and flaws makes stories more interesting. And so I like that Aaron Sorkin does that with his villains. Um, yeah. Sometimes I think he, he goes a little too far, you know, in trying <laughs> yeah. to humanize his villains. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting to do that. Um, I also think, as you were mentioning, um, how optimistic he is and idealistic he mm -hmm. is. Absolute. I think that's one of the things I love. I love about his work, and I can say like this is an idealistic work of political storytelling. Whether it's The West Wing or yes. you know the newsroom or this, um, that I I watch rom coms and I love them, and I don't expect real life romantic relationships to work out that way you know like we <laughs> yeah. we can we can separate ourselves from those things we can watch a movie that looks like it's set in the real world but also acknowledge but that's a movie you know that's not how life works yeah. and i and i want us to be able to also or i like to do that also with his political work i can watch it and go okay that's not how real politics works people are more flawed than this I'm a little more cynical in my real life, but while I'm enjoying this piece of storytelling, let's have fun and, and envision an idealistic world where the president is this kind, good hearted man <laughs> that just cares about his country so much, you know, like let's yeah. enjoy that for a moment. Um, and so, yeah, that, that is why I'm a fan of him. I, 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 I do feel myself just using this episode to defend my love of Ben Sorkin <laughs> and I, I need to stop, yeah. but um, I appreciate that you brought that yeah. up. I think the other thing about this trial is that there isn't a good ending to it. Like, right. like there's not a there's not a, like a good dramatic ending to it. Like they 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 lost and then it got turned over in appeals, but they like that that's not a fun story to hear. Yeah. Um, and they didn't read out you know the list of all the people who right. who died in Vietnam. <laughs> like that's that's not what happened. The judge cut their hair at the end of it <laughs> and like it's not a good you know story and yeah. so i think him trying to find the optimism in it is very very him and yeah. probably one of one of the one of the things that that at the end i was just like oh okay <laughs> yeah and it's like that didn't happen but it's a good ending and those men were doing this in the pursuit of honoring the fall you know like honoring the fallen and then yes. and also like trying to stop prevent more deaths and so there that was their pursuit like and that is one of those things where it's like there's truth in the sentiment and even mm -hmm. if th those events didn't actually happen yeah um yeah i i'm trying to think of other things that really stood out to me in this movie um i really appreciate the variety uh, you know this is like the this is where, like, this isn't casting, this is real life, but that there were these variety of protester types in this trial, yeah. you know? Yeah. This mishmash of this very nonviolent dad that also protested World War II, you know? <laughs> um, that line from Mark Lylance, where he, where he gets, he 
scolds him for protesting World War II. It's <laughs> yeah. really funny. Um, it really got me. Um, uh. You have hippies. You have you know, young Democrats, you have the Black Panthers, you have the two guys who were like, oh, I don't know why we're here. Like, <laughs> yeah. I did love the explanation for that. Because right. I, I also was like, why are they here? And then when it was explained, I was like, oh, that actually makes a ton of sense. Right. So. um, Yeah. I'm I, tra- go ahead. I was gonna say, I, at some point, I would like to talk about the eighth member on trial. <laughs> yes. Um, When we when, when we get to no, that. Let's, we're here. Let's get to it. Okay. So this movie is called The Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah. There were eight people on trial. Bobby Seale um, was gagged and bound and then declared a mistrial. And so from the beginning, because it's called The Trial of Chicago 7, I kind of assumed that we were not going to get into Bobby Seale very much. Even Um, though he's in the trailer? Even even though he's in the trailer. I mean, it's The Trial of Chicago 7. Like, the the fact that he's not numbered here (laughs) makes made me feel like I was like, we're not going to get much of him um which felt accurate um as it was portrayed i think he's great i think we we got to see i'm not gonna say enough but i think we got to see um his character more than i expected i think Mm -hmm. um i think one of the the roles that he plays in this is to show how real this is for him Mm -hmm. and how much of a game not 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 game but like uh how low stakes it is for everybody else. Right. I mean, it is still high stakes because they are on trial to go to jail, yeah. <laughs> but it is a jail situation and not a just life situation mm-hmm. for them. Um, and I think his character definitely uh, works that in well. I think I would love, I think I would love to see a movie specifically just about Bobby seal and that whole thing. Absolutely. I, that's not what this movie was about. And I never expected it to be about that. So I think I'm, fine with what we got yeah um with bobby seal i think it's very abrupt when he <laughs> leaves the trial and we never hear about him again yeah um but i think it's accurate to the story that aaron sorkin's trying to tell i think it was a really good move that while he was involved in the trial that like i felt like the majority of the focus was on his character and his his mistreatment or like there was there was a lot of time paid to that um like it was it didn't feel like a side note it felt like the main plot of the film at that point um and i think the scene where eddie redmayne's character tom hayden visits him and Mm -hmm. the bobby seal character kind of admonishes him and says like you were all basically just like saying fuck you to your dad and i'm yeah. fighting for something really a lot more um was <laughs> obviously much better much more eloquent in Aaron's language <laughs> than what i just said <laughs> but a very powerful moment i think that's when aaron sorkin's at his best when he can like distill an idea into a very concise piece of dialogue mm-hmm. and exchange yeah. um and i think he did a good job in that in that particular scene I also think that like the judge of it all is was was really mind blowing to watch and (laughs) seeing his interactions played out with the Bobby Seal character. um, That was one where you're like, this feels over the top. And yet I believe that every single thing happened the way it's happening in this movie right now. 
you know? See, I to me, none of that felt over the top. I loved I loved Frank Langella in this role. By, I just think he did such a good job. No, no, no. By over the top, I don't mean the performance. By over the top, I mean the fact that a judge would be behaving this way in a courtroom feels over the top in a, from a modern day sensibility. Oh, really? I, I don't feel that way. Yeah. I feel like I've definitely been in courtrooms where it has gotten close to this point. <laughs> I've never been in a courtroom. Ah, okay. Yeah. So maybe right. this is my, you know, yeah. um, naivete. Yeah. I mean, itself. obviously, he is out there in this movie. Yeah. For sure. But I definitely, to me, this didn't feel off the radar. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, the, the the things that kept, the the fact that he kept, like, not acknowledging the fact that Bobby Seale didn't have a lawyer. The fact that he kept saying all the yeah. names wrong. The like, yep. um, the fact that his the defense team seems so flabbergasted by how outrageous this like, mm-hmm. this judge is being is what led me to like have that assumption. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's brutal. It's a like there there's a lot about that character that feels so brutal in this film. Um, yeah. I also want us to talk about the way Aaron Sorkin, how he, one of his tricks, both in, in his writing, when he does a courtroom drama like The Social Network or like this one, is how he weaves in the events that took place within the trial. Mm-hmm. And how did you feel about like all those protest scenes? I like, from a writing standpoint, I love where they fit in the story i think I, I i don't think he's a great action director so i don't think like a lot of the the action moments of the protest and the and the riot and everything like that were were great visually mm-hmm. um i also don't love cutting to the real riots mm-hmm. in the middle of it and you know putting them in black and white and everything like that to me it 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 didn't have as much of an impact as i would have liked um it felt like check it out. This is all. There's also real footage of this, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to emotionally, like actually digging me deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, but I think from a writing standpoint, the way it, it's all structured, I think is brilliant, and I loved it. Yeah, I liked the way he incorporated real footage. Um, I think that that's something he's done in like Steve Jobs and in Molly's Game, and it's hard to know with Steve Jobs how much of that was him and how much of that was Danny Boyle, right? But mm-hmm. um. Where he is, but in Molly's game, he's not incorporating like real footage of Molly Bloom or anything, but he incorporates like shots and footage of like logos and companies and actors. And, you know, like, yeah, he kind of just like does these flashes of archival footage, right? Mm-hmm. To make a point about this story he's telling. And that happens a lot in Steve Jobs as well. And in this movie, I thought it worked the best um, because there is so much in this story where you're like, I don't know if that really happened that way. And to see like, okay, but for this instance, I'm going to show you this, th- this brutality I'm showing you did happen this way. Right. Because yeah. Yeah. we can forgive like, okay, this grandiose ending didn't happen that way. But if someone who is a little more, um, like disbelieving of police brutality, right? Mm-hmm. They could watch a movie like this and think, okay, this is over the top. They're not really this violent, quote, you know. Um, 
and to be able to prove in that moment, like, no, actually, this is exactly what happened. Um, yeah, I, I think is a smart move. And that's true. Worked yep. for me. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it was too much. I think he the balance was right. Like, um, and I, I agree with you that he's not a great action director and that there were a lot of those scenes where like the, the choreography felt a little off. Right. Of everything. <laughs> um, but I do love the energy that he was able to capture in those moments, especially I think what it, I think is a really powerful scene is the scene and this and the performance that I really like from Eddie Redmayne is when he says the infamous line about the blood in the streets. Um, and to, I think that scene is he's really good at, like, showing the tension building uh, in the crowd and the people on stage and the leaders with the police. Um, he's not good at action, but he is good at tension. And so that works for me as well. Yeah. I hated <laughs> that uh, the com- the conversation about it being a. Uh... Uh, the possessive pronoun like i absolutely <laughs> hated that we what couldn't have i hated that we couldn't have eddie redmayne just say the wrong thing in a moment of passion like it had to be the fact that he you know dropped his possessive pronoun and that's the reason that that it came out like that and I, not that he was just mad <laughs> i loved that i was i mean that might have been one of my favorite things in the movie <laughs> That's oh, me yeah. being a language nerd. Yeah. yeah. I, I I, mean, I thought it was very funny that that's like their interaction around it with Sasha Baron Conan, like realizing it and everything like that. Like, yeah. I thought all of that was funny. But the fact that you can't have the, um, you know, the poster boy make a mistake and do the wrong thing. Right. It's not that he did the wrong thing. It's just that he dropped a word. Well, and but his intent was correct. I think it's a little <laughs> bit of both. Right. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of him saying, like, I think that this is what I meant. But I also knew that by saying that, I would rile people up, you know? And I shouldn't yeah. have riled people up that way. Yeah. I think it's a, I don't think it, I don't think it's one or the other. Um, that, which is why, I'm again, I like things that are stories that are complicated. And yeah. I think that's like a complicated moment mm-hmm. where throughout i think this movie we're operating under this assumption that the police started the riots and i think we're still operating the assumption that they started like the violence you know like they are yeah. much more armed yeah. and like we're not taking the side of the police but <laughs> no but this movie does acknowledge like that this was the inciting moment you know mm-hmm. and that it came from our side quote unquote right yeah um so i appreciate that as well um Another thing that's coming to mind that I thought was very funny and really worked for me was the reveal of all the undercover agents. <laughs> I did love the line of like, um, what was it? With friends like what, these. What, no, no, what is, was it? What were we leading 10,000 undercover cops in a riot in Chicago? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God. so many undercover cops. It was very funny. <laughs> especially because the reveal of the actress caitlin fitzgerald mm-hmm. like you reveal all the cops right yeah and then we see her flirting with the guy and i don't i don't i didn't see it coming and no then, yeah same <laughs> and then when she's revealed on the stand it's amazing <laughs> uh yeah um also fun succession reunion right there yes yes 
I'm really glad they didn't have her stand at the end. For a second, I thought she was going to stand um, yeah. at the end of the movie for the reading of the names. And I oh, did she not? I thought she did. She did not. Nope. Okay, she stayed seated. Yeah. Because she was an interesting character in that, like, she was undercover, but she also wasn't, like, like, when she was undercover, she was trying to keep people safe. Like, she yeah. wasn't trying to, like, rile them up, you know? Right, right. Um, And, yeah, and, and interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Oh, we've got to talk about, just for a second, my beloved Michael Keaton. Oh, Such yes. a small <laughs> role, like, with so little to do, and yet mm-hmm. loved every moment he was on screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to ask if there's anything else you want to talk about before we get to, before I talk about some Oscar stuff with you. I don't think so. Okay. Let's talk Os- Oscar stuff. Oscars are going to be coming up, and so far, as far as I can tell, things that have already been released... The only two movies that have big Oscar buzz are this and Defy Bloods. What was that? Which which movie? I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I, th- I think you're right. Those are the two standouts at this point in time. Yeah. Is there anything else that's coming to your head? <sighs> I think that have already so. come out. I, I really, that have already come out. I don't think there's been anything else that has, I mean, that is at, not not saying quality level. I think quality yeah. level. There's a mix of things. I think from a big push Oscar perspective, those are the two movies that Netflix is <laughs> ready to move forward with. Yeah. Okay. So then my next question is, how do you feel about this movie winning some Oscars, and what Oscars do you think those are? Winning at this point. <laughs> I mean, considering uh, yeah. that this is a weird year. Yeah. This is a weird year. Um, I'd love it to get in the screenplay yeah. um, category for sure. Probably that's it. I mean, like, to me, this is an obvious best picture movie also. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily... It is weird because it, usually I have, like, a list of movies that I'm like, I want this movie to get nominated. And, and right now I don't. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's not... To me, it's not like it's up against some of my big favorite movies of the year. I... I think this is a shoe in for best picture. I think at the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think to me, to me, those are the only two best picture, best screenplay. Um, I think I would be excited about a best supporting actor nomination for Sasha Barry Cohen. I wouldn't be excited about it, but I could definitely see it happening. <laughs> yeah. Is there any other actor in this movie that you would be excited about a nomination for? I think this is this movie is spread too thin to get nominations right. for anybody but Tom not not Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne. Uh anybody but Eddie Redmayne and Sasha yeah. Cohen. Yeah. So, I would say no. Yeah, the, very interesting. I I am fascinated by what our Oscars are going to be, you know? It is Yes. Truly the strangest of all the years. At this point, since no big movies are coming out, all the studios have pushed their movies to next year, right? Is there any big tentpole movie that was going to be released in theaters that is still planning on being released? I know um, Soul has been moved to Disney+. Plus. That's coming out on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman has moved. I'm trying to think of anything else that was going, still going to come out. Nomadland and Mank. Okay. But Mank, Mank is going to be a Netflix movie, right? Yes. Yeah, Mank will be on Netflix. Nomadland is... I think it's going to be a limited still release. technically coming out in theaters. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, those I think are going to be our two big ones. I'm trying to think of yeah. anything else. So far, I mean, this isn't as Oscar related, but Wonder Woman is still scheduled for Christmas Day. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. Think wow. Mank is going to be big and Nomadland. Mm-hmm. Like I said, those two. Um, yeah. Promising Young Woman is this isn't as much of an Oscar thing, but that one's scheduled for Christmas Day as well. Okay. Um, it's just a movie I'm excited about. I think you're yeah. right. I think Pixar's Soul is going to be big. Um, I, this is a long episode, but I'm I just want to ask you while we're talking about Oscars in this year, how many films Ooh. new releases have Let you watched see. this year? Last time I checked, I think I've watched seventeen. You watched seventeen? I think I I think I'm on twenty. 19. You watched 19. Okay. And then I have a list of 2020 movies that I want to watch that has about 40 of them on there. Mm-hmm. But not all of them look great. It's just kind of like a. Right. You know. I think I have like two or three that are like, I will watch these because it'll probably make my end of year list. Right. But um, yeah, others are just like, I want to watch this because it'll be fun. Right. What are some things that you haven't watched that you think are going to be really good? Um, so I've decided to watch The Invisible Man. Yeah, I think I need to watch that too. Um, <laughs> there are so few movies this year that I felt like I had to. This is one of the big ones. Um, My- uh, so The Rhythm Section, <laughs> that's one that came out earlier this year that I think most people hate, but it's one of those movies that I'm like, I might love this movie. Right. Who knows? <laughs> um, never rarely, sometimes always. I still haven't seen Yes, them. same. Um, but I think will be great. First Cow, mm-hmm. Invisible Man. Yep. I really think I want to see The Way Back, the Ben Affleck movie. Mm. No, not for you. I, I do not want to, no. There's a documentary that came out on Netflix called Disclosure that I've heard is very good. What else? And, oh, have you heard about this movie called Martin Eden? No. It stars Luca Marinelli, the guy, the French guy from The Old Guard. Oh, yeah. Uh, not French, Italian. Italian guy from mm-hmm. The Old Guard. Um. And my indie theater is like, you can buy a streaming ticket to it. Um, and I'm hearing good things about it. It's an Italian nice. French historical romance drama film that just like, I don't know. It looks up your alley. Um, What's it called? Martin Eden. Martin Eden. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, so that's one that is come as out recently that I'm probably going to check out. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but those are like my... Oh, and The Assistant. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's on the list right. as well. Yeah. I'm looking at my list of movies I've watched, and it's like... Not a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I thought I think it's a good thing to do a check-in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're going to sign off right now. <laughs> but we should, <laughs> we should just mention that this is our 150th episode. Yes, we did it. Lucas, I've loved doing this We're 150 this years old. This is a blast. I really enjoy this a lot. Yeah. Especially this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This, thank you to anyone who listens. We, I, I'll speak for myself. I love making this podcast. It's a way for me to like get out my ideas and my opinions, work out, figure out what my ideas and opinions are about pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I love documenting things. I love documenting my history, especially when it comes to movie watching. Um, so making this has been so fun and um i'm excited to keep doing it for yeah maybe another 150 episodes i cannot stress how helpful it is for me to be able to have a platform of being able to just 
talk out my opinions. And even for me, just like the rhythm of understanding how I feel about things mm-hmm. um, and, and, and being able to, to say them out loud on a podcast is, I think, super useful for me. Um, so I really enjoy doing this. This is great. Yeah. Thank you again for listening. And yep. um, please always get at us with your ideas and thoughts on whatever we're talking about. Um, you can reach us online. My social media username is at Sandra Amstutz. You can find me on all platforms. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. For some reason, I thought you were going to say my phone number is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's what we, popped we into my head. I was like, well, she must well, give her I a phone I might reach that point in the pandemic <laughs> where I'm just like desperately yeah. Here's my phone for... number. Call me. Please talk to me about these things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Definitely hit me up on Twitter. I am... Um, patiently trying to just get through the elections. Yeah, we're, we're, all, we're so, almost there. We're almost we're so close. All right, bye bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yeah. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 